Welcome to So Says Rick. Mostly True Stories by Rick Hall. Well, welcome to episode number 15. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you know, you're a musical director. You could actually make a cue for that. I could, but I kind of like singing it. There you go. Well, it works for me. Yeah, it seems like we just started and we're already at 15. But doing the math, we do it every other week. So that's 30 weeks of doing oh, So Says That's Rick. some fancy math on your part. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty round numbers. So I was able to get to it fairly quickly there. And we're headed towards Thanksgiving. That's right. Towards the end of what has been, I must admit, a difficult year for a lot of us. We just lost a friend of ours, Bill Thomas. We lost him to cancer last week. Yeah. He was he was too young and too vibrant. He was a fabulous human being. Yeah, and he really, really was loved by our kids, too. He was so good with the kids. Even the kids in the neighborhood tell us stories about things he did for them that we never knew about. Here's a little story about Billy. When he was in his 40s... He had a job on the Cosby show playing one of the boyfriends of one of the girls, and he was supposed to be in his early 20s, Yeah, and he was he was over 40. He played very young. Yes, he did. And he took care of himself. He, very, oh, he's an amazing guy. We sure miss him. So it's been a hard week at the end of a hard year, and what's been a hard year for most of our country, I would say. Exactly. But you know one thing about this pandemic where things are shut down and everything? The thing it does is it makes us really appreciate all the things we could do beforehand. And sometimes we took it for granted that we could go to theater, that we could get together with our family, that we could just jump on a plane and and go hang out with friends and vacation and stuff. And we just can't do all that right now. It also is making people reach out to their neighbors and friends in a way they didn't before. When your friend needs something and they can't get out and get their groceries or something, people are offering to help do each other shopping and, and everything like that. A friend of mine from church, Evie France, I've known her since the late 80s. She asked me one day if I would give her a ride to go visit her brother at a care facility. And normally, of course, I would say yes, but normally I'd be so busy, I would have hurried through it. I had all day. And Evie and I had a great afternoon, and we went and saw her brother, Bob, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. And it turned out to be a really nice day for Evie and I, and it's something I might have rushed through before if I didn't have the time. Right. So we are grateful for the time. Right. And, you know, because we have this time, I'm grateful that we started the podcast. It's something you'd talked about doing for years. Right. Thank you, Luke Hannington, for pushing me towards it. <laughs> Also, the podcast is a format for me to tell stories that I've written that aren't first-person narrative. Most of the storytelling shows here in Los Angeles and around are true first-person narrative, but I've written some fiction that I really like, and this episode is definitely fiction. Yes, because it's from a turkey's journal, right? It's right. written Perspective like... Perspective of a turkey writing in a journal. So it's only first-person narrative if you are a turkey. <laughs> so these are, these are entries from a turkey's journal that we produced back in 2005, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's held up. When right. we listened to it again, we were like, wow, that's good. Right. You know how sometimes <laughs> you write things and go... 
15 years later say, oh, what was that? But this one really held up. And I forgot until I listened to it uh, a couple days ago how you had scored it like a movie. I really, I thought I was going to redo the recording, but I love this recording so much. Good work, Laura, by the well, way. Well, thank you. Because she didn't just go, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> she actually scored the story. So here it is from 2005, The Turkey Memoirs. Dun, 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 dun. The Turkey Memoirs October 8th, journal entry from the barn. Farmer Stevens is a fair and just man, and he feeds us well, but I know, as we all do, that our fate is to be the main course at a Thanksgiving celebration. Why do humans think they always have to eat turkey at Thanksgiving? Why not chicken or duck? I mean, chickens are moody and have poor hygiene, and ducks are jerks. Sometimes I just want to talk to Farmer Stevens. I'm sure if he knew that we have thoughts and feelings, he would keep us as companions like the dog or that cat. But speaking to humans is forbidden fruit. Animals have been blessed with a direct communication with God, and we all know that if we choose to speak to humans, we will fall from grace just like Adam and Eve. Of course, a few animals have tried it, uh, like Mr. Ed, Arnold Ziffel from Green Acres, and the whole cast from the movie Babe. By the way, they got talked into it by, guess who? The duck. What a jerk. They sold their souls to the devil for a shot at stardom. Sure, they enjoyed fame and fortune for a while, but do you know where they are now, huh? Two words. Glue and bacon. Come on, we all have to go sometime. But what's important is that you live well while you're here. October 15th. Farmer Stevens is looking older these days. His son-in-law, Martin, is helping around the farm more and more. Martin doesn't know what he's doing half the time, and he treats Farmer Stevens like crap. We were going to stage a hunger strike and protest, but the pigs voted it down. Speaking of food, something is different about our feed. There are little green flakes in it. We're going to have it analyzed in the lab tonight. October 17th. I heard wild turkeys off in the woods today. I have no idea how to survive in the wild, but I ache to be free and take my chances. Oh, by the way, the results from the green flakes in our feed are back from the lab. Vitamins and steroids. Oh, that Martin. Farmer Stevens never fed us that junk. He had high hopes for us. He dreamed of the day our carcasses would be displayed in health food stores, labeled free-range, 100% organic turkey. At least there'd be some sort of dignity in death. October 25th. We've been picking the steroids out of our feed and dumping them into the well for the house water. You know, humans have the misguided concept that turkeys are stupid. Oh, we're not stupid. I mean, I'm a turkey. I'm forming sentences and writing them down in a journal. I know humans that can't manage that feat. Of course, we've all heard stories about stupid turkeys, like the one who was so stupid that when it started to rain, he looked up to see where the moisture was coming from and drowned. Okay, that's a true story, but there were extenuating circumstances surrounding that tragedy. The turkey in question was my friend Carl. The farmer who owned him was keeping him for breeding stock. 
At first, he said it was kind of fun. He got all the tail he wanted. But you can't live that breed him and leave him lifestyle very long before you realize how shallow it is. It makes you shallow, too. Carl couldn't live with what he'd become, so one rainy day, he committed suicide. Humans call him stupid. Turkeys, we call him hero. November 15th. Some of the other turkeys pulled me aside today and confronted me about my drug use. It was an intervention. They had noticed my constant working out and bulking up. Yes, okay, I've been eating the steroids. I said, it's cool, man, I'm over it. I'm stopping, that's it, that's it. They seemed to buy that. I'm not ready to tell them my plan. Not quite yet. November 19th. Martin is more of a jerk than ever. Farmer Stevens seems to be getting stronger and healthier. Mrs. Stevens looks like she has more facial hair than before. Think it could be the steroids in the drinking water? November 22nd. The woods outside the barn. Today I escaped. Martin came in the barn early this morning to load up the biggest birds for market. I, of course, was the biggest and the first to go. Martin grabbed me by the feet and carried me upside down to the truck. I just played dumb, and Martin bought right into it. He tried to stuff me into a cage on the back of the truck. Then I bit his finger, and I flew. Yes, I flew! You should have seen his face. He screamed, You can't fly! I'm full of steroids and vitamins. I've been working out. Baby, I can fly. He screamed, I'm going to kill that turkey. And he ran to the house, came out with a shotgun. I made it into the woods, so I'm safe for now. I should stop riding and find some food and shelter. November 23rd. I met a wild turkey named Stuart before dusk last night, and he let me bed down with his flock, and man, do those guys party. They fed me some fermented berries. I guess they're used to them, but I just got blasted. At one point, I was making out with one of Stuart's daughters, Julie. You know what? I really like her, but I think I screwed up. She was in heat and really wanted to breed, and I just passed out. I need to find her and apologize, and I will, as soon as the woods stop spinning. November 23rd, later that day. I went back to sleep this morning, and I woke up to the most beautiful sight I have ever seen. It was Julie. Her waddle was bright red and hung like rose petals beneath her beak. Her bare neck shone with the morning dew. She was starting to molt, so the feathers on her chest were thinning, and I could partially make out her plump breast. Oh, I thought she was cute last night when I was drunk. She is beautiful in the daylight when I'm sober. I started to apologize for last night. She put her claw to my beak and said, Shh, I have the cure for a hangover. And we made wild turkey love. And after, she rolled over and whispered in my sound membrane, I'm not even in heat. Oh, this was the utopia Thoreau had dreamed of, and I was living it. This is the kind of moment you wish could last forever. Julie and I had broken a wishbone, and both of us had gotten the big end. Suddenly, there was a gunshot in the distance. I held Julie close to me. This is it, I thought, just like in the movies. When things are going too good, someone has to die. 
We heard a rustling in the bushes. I pushed Julie behind me. The sound was coming closer. I spread my tail feathers to look bigger and protect Julie. All at once, Stuart burst out of the brush and said, He's coming. He, he thought I was you and he shot me. I barely got away. His legs began to wobble. The powerful drumsticks that had carried him swiftly from danger now failed him, and he fell into my arms. Stuart looked up at me and whispered, He will kill us all to get to you. Please, take care of my daughter. And with that, his turkey neck fell limp, and his carcass weighed heavy in my arms. I laid him gently in the leaves and held Julie as she wept for her father. But I knew we had little time before Martin would follow the trail of blood to us. I said, Julie, we don't have much time. Run. You have to get away. He's looking for me. You'll be safe if you just run. Her tears stopped in a heartbeat. She looked at me and said, I will stay and fight with you, my love. Without speaking, we went to work. We laid Stuart's body in the brush and covered him with leaves. A proper burial would have to wait. We went to where Stuart had fallen, and I told Julie my plan. Julie, Martin thinks he's winged me. He will follow this trail of blood. Listen to me, Julie, listen. I need you to bite me on the thigh hard enough to draw blood. I can't, she said. Do it, I commanded. And she did. We continued that trail of blood through the woods. We could hear Martin gaining on us. We came to a dirt road on the crest of a hill. I ran down the road about 50 feet and laid down in the middle. Martin was on our heels. Julie, go hide. I can't leave you, she said. Leave. If he thinks I'm dead, he won't hurt anybody else. Trust me, I said. Go hide. She dove into the bushes just as Martin burst onto the road. He stopped and looked down the hill. It was getting dark, so it took him a minute to realize what he was looking at. Doggone it, somebody done gone and road killed my turkey before I could shoot him. Doggone it, don't that beat all. He walked down the road with his shotgun poised. When he got to me, he poked me with a barrel. What the heck? I can shoot him once more just for the fun of it. Well, I wasn't going to die lying down. I jumped to my feet and I faced him. I didn't move, I didn't run. I had two choices. I could speak to him. Even Martin would let me live if he thought he had a talking turkey on his hands. Or I could stand tall and die with dignity and honor. Would they call me stupid? Or would they call me hero? I felt like Carl standing in the rain with his head held high. Martin laughed and pointed the gun at me. Any last words, you stupid bird? <laughs> I didn't think so. Well, hold still. This is going to hurt. He pulled back both hammers on the double barrel, raised it to his shoulder. As he lined me up in the sights, I heard a rustling in the bushes, and Julie stepped out. Martin spun around and faced her. Well, looks like you got yourself a girlfriend. I'll save one in the barrel for her. Suddenly, the woods were alive. Wild turkeys came out of everywhere. There were hundreds of them. They lined the road three and four deep and hung in the trees. Martin whirled around, his eyes wide open. He didn't know where to turn. Then the mob of turkeys started to gobble. It was deafening. Hundreds of turkeys gobbling in full voice. Martin spun round and round. As he spun, he started to glow. He was surrounded in a pool of light. 
The light grew more intense, and suddenly the gobbling fell off into silence as the turkeys flew away just as quickly as they had come. The light was blinding me, but I managed to grab Julie and fly into the woods. From the safety of the woods, we heard the squealing of brakes and spraying of gravel as an old pickup truck tried to stop before it hit the idiot in the middle of the road. November 24th. Headlines in the local paper read, Deranged Turkey Hunter Killed on Country Road. Turkey Escapes Unharmed. Happy Thanksgiving. That story gets you in the mood for Thanksgiving this year. I know, but don't feel like you can't have turkey. You can, because it was a fictional story. Turkeys aren't really that smart, actually. Ben Franklin wanted the turkey to be the national bird. I know, he did. (laughs) And then we would eat the national bird. (laughs) You know what? Telling this story, this fictional story... I think I want to tell a fictional story that I wrote for Christmas time about a small Baptist church and their nativity scene. Oh, yes. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So it'll probably be a two-part series, so you'll be on the edge of your seat. But it's a really fun story, and this is the great place to tell it. Isn't it funny? Right. That never, I never thought of this before. We're going to do it. Excellent. So what are you grateful for, Laura? Well, I am especially grateful for family. I always am, but I'm especially now just realizing how important they are and that we help each other get through difficult times. And I'm grateful for my dad and especially for the good care that he's getting. He's at an assisted living facility and no one can see him right now because, you know, they're trying to protect the people who live there. And although it's hard not to be able to see him, I'm really glad that they take such good care protecting him. Exactly. I was home on the farm in the spring, and I was so happy Mom's Church is being really careful. Everybody wears masks. They take temperatures. And it's such a comfort to know they are taking care of my mom. I guess I'm saying I'm grateful for family, too. My brother Rob and his wife Sandy harvested our crop on the farm, And even though the year was too rainy at some times and not enough rain at other times, it was a good harvest. And this fall, I'm grateful for a good harvest and good family. Mm -hmm. And so we ask you, dear listener, what are you grateful for this year? Dear listener, that's so poetic, Laura. I'm Emily Dickinson. (laughs) So you can go to Rick's website therickhall.com and send us a message, send us an email and tell us what you're grateful for. I'd love to hear from you. And we hope, even though it will be different this year, we hope that you have a really good Thanksgiving. And don't be afraid to eat turkey. That's what they're there for. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving. Okay, Laura just left the studio. She doesn't know I'm recording this. I just wanted to add one more thing and she won't hear it until later when it's all cut together. But I'm grateful that I can work with my wife. Not everybody can work with their spouse on stuff. And by stuff, I don't mean just this podcast. I mean, we sing music together. We teach music improv all over the world together. We do all kinds of stuff together, including raising a family. And I'm grateful that I can do that with my wife. Okay, thanks a lot for listening. Bye-bye. (laughs) 